All right. Hello, everybody. And today I have Laura Wright uh, with me and um, just a little bit um, about her. And first of all, hey, Laura. Hello, Tatiana. I'm so excited to be here. It's so super awesome to have you. Um, I mean, your bio is super impressive, so I'm going to just share it with everyone. Uh, who's listening. And so Laura Wright is a, an epic sales coach. But before that, she kind of went, you kind of went through a lot of um, personal um, challenges in terms of, you know, losing everything, losing kind of money and business and, you know, due to crises and stuff like that, which is, you know, a lot of people have been through and, uh, but you came back swinging, which is awesome. Um, so I know that you, in a few years after the 2008 crisis, which has cost you $500,000 in debt and because you lost, you've had your own real estate company. Is that right? Yes, I did. Uh I actually, it's so funny. Um, I always get asked this question and it's very pertinent right now, but I was running a multi seven figure real estate investment corporation. And when 2008 economic bubble hit and popped and collapsed and all the things, I found myself with my business in shambles, basically completely eliminated, no ability to earn income and about $550,000 worth of debt on my hands. And I remember being so lost with it. Like I was lost, not sure what to do with myself. I couldn't figure out how to turn it around. And what I did was I found my way through it and did turn everything around, including paying off all the debt, creating an entirely new relationship with myself and how I function as a business owner, creating a totally new business as well. So it's been a long journey, but a great one. That's awesome. And I see that you call yourself a sales ninja. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Yes, for quite Love some that. time. I, uh, I'll use some some serious terms to help everyone understand. What I really am is I'm a sales coach and consultant for high six figure and seven figure women who are running badass empires. Amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. And I um, also your you have a book out, No Woman Down. Do. Um, and um, would you share? your why? Like, why do you do what you do now with women? Why do you work with women, help them get to the next level of their business? Like, what's your why? Yeah. Oh, I love that. So it's funny. My book is pretty much what describes my why. My mission is that no woman is left down because what I went through with all that loss is I felt stuck at the bottom and unable to get myself back up, to rise back up. So my mission is to help really smart, amazing, talented women to be able to access that talent and turn it into not just money, but strong, reliable companies that they can count on that brings in true lasting wealth. Because here's what I understand. Women specifically, when we earn money and we hold wealth, we employ more people and we distribute more of our wealth to others. And I want to see our planet thriving. So I know helping women to create businesses that thrive, we will actually be able to build our economy up better, faster, and stronger for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I understand that your audience is women, but is there a specific... Um, kind of category of women or are there any prerequisites for your program or for you to, or let's say for a mindset that you're looking for in a client, um, in a woman to be able to help her get to where she needs to go? 
Yeah, I love that question. So uh, my favorite people to work with actually are the hustlers, overworking, overachiever, super ambitious types. And here's why. Not because that they are overworking, hustling and doing it, but because really what the solve and answer mostly is, is how to really hit that defined working less, leveraging your time and earning more money. So I love taking the woman who is running, running, running and maybe in the wrong direction. And I help her stop running and go in the right direction. So that's one of my prerequisites. Also, I only work with experts. And what I mean by that is not people who are newly trying to define who they are and what they're doing, uh, but people who really have solid years of experience, know what they're doing, understand what they deliver in their services to their clients. And I work most primarily with women who have already crossed the first six figures in their business. And what we're going to do is we amplify them to move them towards the seven figure plus realm. That's amazing. That's that's pretty good. And, And also women who are, um, go getters and overworking now, are most likely to implement what you're teaching. Mm-hmm. Is that right? True. That's absolutely true. And again, it's one of my favorite things because whenever someone comes to me and they're like, Laura, I can't get any sales or people aren't buying my stuff. And I ask, well, you know, what have you been doing to market? How are you showing up online? Who are you connecting with? And they're not taking action. It's really challenging to get someone to go take action. But when somebody comes to me and they have been just randomly scattering their marketing, when they've been selling offers that are undercharging and over-delivering, if they're doing all the things, but they're not doing them in a way that serves them, we can course correct that. But again, it's very challenging to get people to have that inner fire and drive if they don't already have it. So I love working with women who are really lit up. Like the passion to have impact is extremely high but it's also the same level as their desire to make money. When those two things show up hand in hand, it's almost impossible for my clients not to thrive. That's that's pretty, sounds pretty good. (laughs) Um, There's absolutely a lot of need, um, you know, in that, for that. And I saw also in your bio, and I found it interesting, you're saying that any sale... um, that say that selling sales is love. What do you mean mm-hmm. by that? Oh yes. Okay. So <laughs> I believe that this is, it's one of those things where I, I hate that sales is love is not exactly grammatically correct. Cause I'm like, Oh, is that perfect? But here's what I mean. I believe the process of helping guide someone to yes, going through the sales process is an act of love and kindness. It shouldn't be sleazy and manipulative and all of those. I'm going to say, masculine, old school, shame-based ways of selling, that is not actually supportive to you or the other person. What I like to do is show up and guide someone, creating connection, um, showing them how to understand their struggles, helping them see their vision through my eyes, what they could actually create. And then that moment of transformation happens when I invite them into a working container. And when they say yes, they are activating everything they want coming to them. So I believe that that process of helping someone understand their struggles, get clear on their vision and say yes to their next level transformation is an act of love. Oh, that makes sense. It actually sounds good because everybody hates salesy, um, kind of sleazy sales. Nobody wants to do them. And actually a lot of people, I feel like say that they hate selling. Oh yeah. And 
Yeah. And especially business owners, which should be the opposite because the best salesperson for a business is its owner. That's true. And the other thing that's really important about that is there's a reason why you might hate sales if you say that you hate it. And it's usually because of one of two things. Either one, you were actually never taught how to sell, and which is very, very common. I find so many like uh, coaches that come my way have gone through all this rigorous coach training, but no one taught them the sales process. Or perfect, amazing graphic designers or brand specialists have learned everything they needed to do, or they build all these beautiful things, but no one taught them how to sell. So you're going without a skill that you don't know, and you're just kind of throwing things against the wall and hoping it sticks, or you learn the process of sales from someone that was doing it in a slimy, manipulative, salesy kind of way. And that's the only way you know. And when one of those two things shows up, it makes it very hard for you to enjoy something that could feel so good. And I have to tell you, sales feels fantastic. All of my clients come away with, I love that. That felt great. Um, People (laughs) say, I know I I get to the end of a sales call and one of my most favorite moments is whenever I teach or talk about this and I tell people that it happens and then we get on a call and they do it and I point it out and they laugh. But I will tell you this, every single time we get to the end of the sales call and somebody has given me their credit card over the phone, PS, that's a golden nugget, write it down take credit cards over the phone. When they do that, they say thank you to me. And it's such a fun experience because what's really happening is there's a reason to be thankful. I help them celebrate what they've just created, what they're going to step forward to. And what they're really thanking me on is holding their deep desires and their deep vision up for them so they can say yes to it and they can go actually have it. And that's what happens in the moment of sales. So Whenever we get on sales calls and they get to the end, they're like, thank you, Laura. I'm like, you're welcome. And they're like, wait a minute. I gave you my credit card number. I'm like, I know. And you are also welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. It makes makes perfect sense. That's that's how it should be. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, if a person is getting what they really need or really want, I would even probably put more emphasis on the latter. Um, They are thankful for it. And the same thing, I mean, I can relate to it in terms of accounting, when I get a, get a new client signed up, they're thankful to me. So similarly, it's a great process. I'm actually, I learned to enjoy it. It's my favorite thing. And it really, it is. The other thing that's important is that sales is not just in the moment of the sale. We are actually already masters at sales. And I think a lot of women forget that. Like, when you, one of my, in my book, my very first lesson is you are already always selling. Like right now, if you're listening to this podcast, you sold yourself on spending the time to listen to the podcast. If you have little munchkins and you got them to eat their breakfast this morning, you sold them on eating their breakfast. If you got yourself out of bed and got dressed this morning, you sold yourself on getting out of the bed. And I think we forget what actually sales are, again, because we weren't taught. It's not a a lesson they teach in schools, which I really wish that it was. But it's something that we're consciously, actively always doing, but we block and don't see that. And what I love to do is help women especially see inside of them how to continue this natural process they have, that empathetic way of listening to someone, guiding them to what they want, and turning it into a tool that they can use in their business to make a lot of money and create change for all their clients. Um, I mean, have you ever worked with men or Mm -hmm. not really? 
I have actually. It's so funny. Um, I'll tell you exactly why I only work. Well, I want to say only it's, I actually have someone in my inbox right now that I'm going to be talking to. I work with men occasionally on a case by case basis and I work with them privately. Usually when I work with them, they, their ideal audience and target tends to be female focused because I help them sell within two women. Uh, but why I work primarily with women is that I do all of my work inside of a group container. And why I do that is because it strengthens bonds, helps people see that they're not alone, and the curve and rate at which people scale and learn happens so much faster when it's done in a group. And what I've learned is when I'm working with men and women together, it's a different growth dynamic than when it's just women on their own. They share in a different way, they speak up in a different way, and they ask for what they need and get it in a different way. That makes sense. I mean, it totally makes sense. And that's the reason I asked. Um, I'm curious to know for women compared to men, since you have worked uh, with men or, and do work with men occasionally, do you notice a difference in terms of the internal blocks or kind of things that they get trapped, um, uh, trapped, uh, kind of in or emotions or feelings that are very, that stop them from getting to where you want them to be or they want to be? I know exactly what you're saying. So here's what happens. And it's not just men and women. It's mostly a masculine energy and feminine energy. So some women align way more in their sales with masculine energy and some men even align more in their feminine energy. But the biggest one that I see is this. When men come to me, they ask me for, uh, well, what should I offer? We put it together, we set a big price point and they just go out and sell it. And there's this thing that tends to happen for women when we set a price point where their belief that other people would buy it or their concern of can they deliver that much value steps up. And I'll give you an example because um, it's actually even happened for me. I have um, I have a $100,000 package that I sell uh, to some very select clients that creates some a massive, massive transformation. And I was recently speaking to my attorney because we need to retool one of my contract offers to make sure it included a few things. And he was like, Laura, you need to strengthen what you're saying here. We need to make sure you get this amount of money. He's like, you are beyond worth it. In fact, you are doing more and better than insert this man's name who's in our industry, who I won't name. <laughs> and I was like, what? Because this guy's been around for like 15 years. And my attorney, who happens to be a man, is like, Laura, I know him. I know his business. I know his stuff. He's like, you are doing more and better than he is. And I was like, what? And it really, I don't know what it was that made me not like own that right away. And again, I learned that a lot of my female clients come to me and I never, I can't remember the last time I asked somebody to decrease their price point. I am always asking them to step their price point up to match the transformation that they're giving. A lot of times a man would walk into a room and be like, yeah, my package is 250,000. That just is what it is. And they don't think to question it. And a lot of times women, when they start to price something, the first thing they think of is, "Uh Oh, can somebody afford this versus what is the value I'm delivering? And what I try to help them see is their value versus the price point. That's pretty cool. Actually. I feel like, a lot of, especially accountants, are in that mm-hmm. um, field. 
<laughs> yeah. And there's another, I actually really want to speak to your, anyone who's listening who might be an accountant in the field. I've worked with quite a few professionals and I remember one of my beloved clients years back, um, we were talking about high ticket sales and she's like, Laura, I don't have a high ticket offer. Mine's $400 a month. It's like four ninety seven. And I'm like, let me ask you a question. How long does an average client stay with you? And we looked at her books and on average, her client stayed with her for eight to 12 years. And you know what? Some of them probably would have stayed longer than 12 years if she'd been in business for longer than 12 years. And I told her to go back and look at that. $4.97 a month, might think, you might think that's a low ticket price point, but if you multiply that times 12, and then that number times 12, that's how the lifetime value of that client. And once I had her activate feeling what she actually was selling as high ticket, it transformed how she showed up on her sales calls and how she asked for the, the, um, the business. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm speaking from experience accountants. I used to sell $50 a month bookkeeping services. Oh. Um, <laughs> I know that sounds terrible. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's painful to think about mm-hmm. it now, but um, accountants specifically, for some reason, I guess we're we're offering a service that people need and not necessarily want. Um, because Actually, you of know, that. I know exactly what it is because I have one of my clients does this. She's a money coach, and when she showed it to me, she's like, "Laura, I know what their books look like. I can't tell them to buy more than this." And you get caught on that. And here's what I want to say to everyone. Do not buy into anyone's money story, even if you think you know what their money looks like. Because here's what I know. When someone desires something that is going to give them growth and transformation, and P.S., bookkeeping gives you growth and transformation. When I do not pay attention to my numbers, my money drops down. When I pay attention and I'm looking in future focused and tracking what I'm doing, my money always goes up. This is transformation. When you're able to really activate that for somebody, people are going to step up and say yes to the purchase. I totally agree. But, you know, five, seven years ago, I was not that person at all. (laughs) And a lot of the accountants are still stuck in that same mentality and same kind of place where they're afraid to ask for more, even though we provide so much value, you know, free free of charge. And we like go crazy, especially like now with the, you know, COVID stimulus and everything. Most of most accountants did this for free because the government didn't let us charge people for PPP applications. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but it's, it's a trap. It is. And it's also, here's what I want everyone to hear. It is a disservice to everyone when you give out free or low cost services, it reduces their ability to receive it reduces your ability to give. I have one of my very beloved clients. Um, we were talking about what was going on with her. And she's like, I'm not an overspender. I'm an under earner. She was asking for too little for what she was giving, which was actually causing her to feel resentful towards her clients after a while. It was reducing her energy to go put out new marketing into the world. And less is less for everyone and more is more for everyone. So I highly encourage you to look at how you can step up and demand more. It's actually part of my mission for women is demand more. I don't care what industry you're in, but whatever industry you're in probably generates billions upon billions of dollars 
of revenue. In fact, I always like to use the um, coaching industry as an example because I know some of the numbers. The coaching industry right now, I think, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, so don't quote me on it, is something like a $300 billion um, industry. And I'd say, like, how dare you ask for penance, little dollars, like activate being a part of a larger economy. There is, there is no lack of resource in this world. Money is being created. And I'm I'm not talking about like the treasury is just printing dollars. I mean that we create value and create money. It's not like a pie where there's only a certain number of slices. And if I take some somebody else doesn't get me more. The more I create, the more I actually can give. You know, during COVID, uh, we've been making donations to a local food bank. We've been giving to the charities we give to more. I have the ability to give more because I have more. Not I am not taking more. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I'm totally with you on that. I've had a client long time ago who was giving away all of his wealth um, to charity and you know, he was very religious. And I once told him, listen, you got to keep some because if you lose everything, you won't have anything to give. Right. So focus on making more, keeping some of it at least, and then giving, giving away and helping others, um, single moms or whatever, whatever your mission is, do it later. But like, you have to keep some for yourself too. Exactly. It really is also another thing I've learned with women making money is they don't pay themselves. Um, when you don't get to access the benefit of the money you make, it drains you. It uh, takes down your energy and it actually lowers your sales. So one of my, like the very first thing I do, and this isn't just like the profit first thing like that Mike talks about, but like I pay myself first with all the money that comes into me. Tax is second, of course. But why I do it is because if I'm not going to access the abundance and making sure that I'm safe and well taken care of, it will drop my energy and I won't actually sell more. This is why one of the things I diagnose when someone comes to me and they're like, Laura, why did this program not fill up? And I'm like, it didn't fill up because you're not taking care of yourself and you're putting yourself last. And if you get the scraps that are left, you're not incentivized to go sell more and to help more people. It's not going to feel good to do more because you're not receiving more. So women really need to understand how to activate utilizing the money that they make. Yeah, that makes total sense. And um, kind of just start wrapping up this this great topic. I mean, I could talk for hours about, <laughs> about this with you. Um, you're really a treasure trove of information when it comes to sales. I can feel it with, you know, with every, <laughs> every uh, piece of my soul. <laughs> it's true. Um, so what kind of, what are the three maybe top things that you would recommend to a woman who's just crossed that six figure number, um, in her business, or maybe thinking about starting one, how do you bring up, you know, most of us struggle with bringing up money on a sales call, how to get people to say yes. Um, there's a lot of information out there of overcoming objections and all of that, but could you give us a kind of in a nutshell, your recommendations, where, do, where does someone start yeah. to get better at it? Absolutely. Okay. So number one, what I always like to say, I give my clients when we're first starting together, what I call a hundred call challenge. 
Here's what I mean. I don't actually mean going and doing a hundred sales calls. Although I will say if you right now don't have a full client roster, I can't recommend this one enough, but here's what I know. So like you can't go to the gym. Well, you legit can't go to the gym right now, but you could not go and work out for 24 hours and become 24 hours more fit. You can't do it. Your body won't let you. It doesn't work. However, when it comes to sales, the more you do it, the better you get at it. But the faster you do it, the better you get at it. And here's what I mean by that. You start to, when you, if you had 10 sales calls right now, you could relax yourself and say, let's even get one or two clients. You get to just get into that form where you feel good about what you're saying. You do it over and over again. You can also see that there's abundance of leads. So I highly recommend that you go do as many sales calls as you can in a short amount of time. I will also tell you the number one thing that I do that lets me count on my close rate. Like right now, I, I, I always have that moment where I'm like, can I say I have 100% close rate? But I still cannot remember the last time I did not close a sales conversation that I intended to. Um, if I talk to somebody who was not in the line fit, I definitely do not make the invitation. But if I make an invitation to work together, the person closes and there's one reason why. On all of those sales calls that I'm telling you to do, I follow my five steps to yes. I follow them on every single call, no matter what. But here's the best part. It's a formula, not a script. So some people I might spend, the five steps are connection. I might spend 10 minutes connecting with somebody. I might spend one minute connecting with somebody. The second step is to listen and learn and find out what their struggles are. Sometimes I can get to someone's struggle in a minute. Sometimes I need 30 minutes to get to their struggles. The third step is vision, where you see, help them show you what they actually want. Some again, it takes a minute, takes 30 minutes, just depends. The fourth step is the invitation. This is where I invite them to work together, leaving their struggle and their vision with my invitation, the bridge that gets them out of their struggle and into their vision. And then the fifth step is the close. This is where I collect the credit card on the phone. When you follow these five steps on every single call, you can relax and know your close rate because I don't have to worry about it. I just know if I, if I talk to 10 people, I could at least close three or four so I can relax and enjoy myself and I have a repeatable process. And then the last part is about bringing up money on a call. I give the two assignments. One is I invite my clients to walk around their house and talk about money. Like talk about large numbers, 500,000, 775,000, $20,000, a million dollars, 1.5 million. It doesn't matter what it is, but we say numbers like they're a fact so that when we get on our sales calls, we're not saying my rates are 10,000. We're saying it's $10,000 to work with me. It's $100,000 to work with me. I say my money like a fact. That's super important. And then the other portion is when I teach sales, I show you how to weave money into the entire conversation. Because what happens on most sales conversations is it feels great. You're having this awesome conversation. You're talking. You're connecting. It feels good. Blah, 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 blah. And then it's like scratching a record, which I don't know if anybody knows what records are. It's just my age. And you hear this like horrible noise. And then you're like, dun, 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 here's the money. And people freeze. And what I want to show you how to do is how to weave money into the entire conversation, no matter what you're selling. So that when you get to the part where you invite your offer, it's just another portion of the conversation. So that was a long-winded way to tell everybody how to like step in to saying yes to doing sales and having it feel good. It's fantastic. I mean, if you're selling what you're passionate about, it should feel good. It's just, mm -hmm. 
just doesn't always happen that way, but with your process and your approach, people can learn to do it better. And especially women, because we have all these, um, things that hold us back, um, to get to where to our best potential or highest potential or our best life. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Laura, it was a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Um, I will post your information in the show notes and thank you so much for taking the time to record this with me and people who are listening can find you, um, at Epic at sales. And I'm going to post some more information on that. So, uh, do you have any final notes for yeah, listeners? Thank, yeah. Thank you so much, Tatiana. I so appreciate this. I so love having these conversations and that's actually what I want to leave everyone with is ladies step up your game. Life is very short. We don't always know what's going to happen next. If right now it doesn't feel good to sell, number one, come into my world and I'll help it feel better. And if I'm not your person, find someone who can support you because the number one thing you need inside your business to make sure it's working is the ability to help a prospect become a client. That is how we create transformation. And that's what we're here to do. So if you feel like you want support, come hang with me. Um, but really step up your game. It's time to activate a lot of wealth for a lot of women. Thank you, Tatiana. Thank you so much. Thanks, Laura. Thanks so much.